Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 69 of the Severe MMA podcast <laughs> is finally here. Andrew McGann joined, as always, by the hilariously immature, all the way from Limerick, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Sheehan. Sean, you had to go and ruin the introduction. We, we had hoped we were going to keep a straight face for it, you know, show that we were mature. But instead, I don't... Uh, look, we may just call it quits. Yeah, we had to do it. Everyone, it was the elephant in the room. We might as well you know, bring him out and show him to everyone. Do you know, I actually think I missed my calling in life. Instead of being a mixed martial arts interviewer, I think I should have been the guy in the bingo hall that calls out uh, numbers. Yeah, you, I, reckon you, that, I reckon you'd actually be good at that. Okay, Honestly, you, I think will, that's we, will a... we throw up a couple of numbers, will we? Go on, sir. Your place or mine, it's number 69. <laughs> Legs 11. <laughs> no. Hmm. I'm just trying Keep to. The door if you want. <laughs> Let's try think. Give me a couple of numbers, there, like. Uh, what's two fat ladies like? Eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. No? Yeah. No, but I mean something actually funny, like. I don't know how. What, what numbers are funny, like? There aren't that many funny numbers, are there? I'm just trying to think, like a bundle of sticks, number fifty-six. <sighs> no. Okay. No. Bad, bad crowd today. Not a bad crowd. And then, and then you once it stops, starts going wrong. You could, uh, you could just say stuff like that and just be like, "Oh, bad crowd." Were you a man for bingo on the day yourself? Make, I wasn't, but a lot of my mates were for a while. I used to go. I've gone maybe ten times in my whole life. I've never won. Never even got close to winning anything. Really? Yeah. I am going to start. Uh, looking up a little bit of trivia here regarding bingo. You should do the same because I need to tell everyone about something first. What's that, Andrew? Our wonderful sponsors, ORS Nutrition. Nice. Sound lads. The, it came in the post this morning, Sean. Mm, my supp- I got mine during the week as well. supplement stack. So I will talk you through that in just a couple of minutes. But head on over to orsnutrition.com. They've actually, breaking news as of this week, I know we talk every week about uh, the categories that their products are split into. They've now got a specific martial arts uh, section. So all of the... The absolute essentials, whether it's pre-workouts, post-workouts, recovery drinks, uh, BCAAs, tablets, shakers, everything. If you're a martial artist and you're thinking, I need some supplements, I'm feeling tired after training, I need more energy, I want to uh, cut weight a little bit easier, whatever you need, head on over to orsnutrition.com, head into the martial arts section. If you're not a martial artist, if you're not an MMA fighter, that's fine. They've got all different types of sports covered, cycling, uh, soccer, GAA, everything is covered. Even, Sean, look, it doesn't stop there, right? People are listening to this and thinking, I just go to the gym. I don't want to know about all of that. That's fine. If you want to uh, tone up, if you want to shred out for the summer, if you want to gain, get bigger, get swole, they have all of that sorted over there as well. Whether it's um, you want to put on size, different different sections, different categories, it gets better. It gets better. 25% off your first order if you use the code SEVEREMMA at the checkout, all in capital letters. Um, they are the official supplement providers to Dundalk FC, Irish Hockey, uh, Dublin GEA. A lot of great people support them. We support them as well. We use their products, yourself and myself. You got your shipment during the week and we can fully, fully vouch for them. They're sound lads. Anything else? Am I forgetting something? I got my multivitamins during the week and the shakers, 
I, you know me now, I'm a whore for bottles and hoarding bottles and stuff. And this shaker is a great yoke. I've been using it for the last couple of days just to drink water out of it. It's fucking brilliant. I have, um, I have one as well. I, I had yeah. ordered one from before. Oh, well, my brother had ordered supplements from them before. We had even heard uh, before they'd even got in touch with us. Yeah. So there you go. We know. I, w- my mom is actually probably going to use one of these, though. It's called yes. Omni Joint. It's for bone and joint health. Sweet. I might need a couple of them myself. Send them down, Ross boys. And it's almost as if they got onto my doctor themselves, Sean, because when I got my bloods done, I have low iron and I've got a vitamin D deficiency. And we got uh, 90 capsules of vitamin D in the, in the door today as well. And some, more, and some more BCAA. Bit of fruit punch. Yeah, there's Man's not enough laughing. sun in this country. You need you need those vitamin D supplements. You definitely do. We had a brief period of sun there last week, though. Was Limerick the same? It was. Yeah, I was. I was sitting out the back there for about two hours last week, just S- in the sun. Sunburnt. Taking it up. No, I n- I've never got sunburnt in my whole life. But we've had this just discussion just yeah. sitting out there. We have. Yeah, but just sitting out there in the sun, just basking it in, getting into vitamin D. But I said after that, I needed more. So where did I go? Ross Nutrition got my twenty five percent off and on. Brilliant. ROS Nutrition. Top job. As always, we'll give the lads a shout out before the end of the podcast. Uh, Great sponsor of the show. Great friends of the show. Thank you very much for the continued support. And um, bingo, Sean. So, what have you got for me? Nothing. Uh, No. Absolutely nothing. Actually, it's funny. Patrick and my father are actually going to bingo tonight. They're leaving as we speak very soon. What? In Ballybunion, yeah. Ballybunion. That yeah. doesn't even sound like a real place. Like Are you, you've never heard of Ballybunion? No. It sounds like something that's grown out of someone's foot. Like Ballybunion's like the biggest beach resort in Ireland. Resort is a bad word, but I don't know. Yeah. It um, is, yeah. Are you serious? You've never heard of Ballybunion? <laughs> no, genuinely, yeah. What? Okay. It I- is like the biggest beach in Ireland. It's loads of like. It's like, I don't know, what, what what beach would you go? Oh, you're like living on the beach, aren't you? Because you're in Dundalk. I, uh, there's a, I don't want to say that there's a beach in Black Rock, but it is a beach, technically. But it's not a beach that you could go on and then go swimming in. You know, not a lot of people will, go to, will swim in that water. But there is sand. And it's a, lovely, uh, it's a lovely scenic beach for when the sun is coming up after work as well, if you're ever driving past it. You see, people like me who don't like live near the coast or stuff, we have to go, we have to actually drive to a beach and like everyone from like Limerick and Kerry and like parts of Cork and stuff all go to Ballymunion. Ah, you're actually going to see a really inspirational Instagram video from me in the next couple of weeks on that beach in the morning as well. Friend of the podcast, avid listener, uh, Jim and James from Black Rock and County Loud. Jim has tried to uh, show me a couple of flaring cocktail things before and uh even though even though it's all you know self taught because I'm fantastic, Sean. But he wants to set up a flaring club on the beach for summer yeah. for summertime. What's flaring? What do you mean? What's flaring? Get your phone out there. Go onto my Instagram. No, just tell me. It's like it. with with bottles, like cocktails. Oh yeah, do you know like when throw you bottles throw around? bottles and tins? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So he wants to uh, have a little flaring club after work when the sun is coming up in the morning. Now you'd look like complete sociopaths, like. Imagine just a load uh, of people I, throwing I, bottles and tins on the beach at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I drink. I drink those drinks. Like, bring me on. I'll test them out for you. We could make them for you, and you yeah. could sit and enjoy the beach. I would love that. That's that that's brilliant. a that's a podcast idea right there. I'm telling you, you testing them. I had some weekend of doing that actually. When not cocktails, just just beer. beer yeah, yeah. Uh, on real weekend, I had watching films, playing FIFA, watching Man United win the FA Cup. Then subsequently sacking the manager that won them the FA Cup. So brilliant. Okay. 
So brilliant. Let me ask. You're, yeah. You are probably the type of fella that is ecstatic about Mourinho yeah. coming in. Yeah. And it's because you have absolutely no decency as a human being. What are you talking about? Mourinho's brilliant. He's one of the worst humans alive. Look, it's all right being a nice human when, you, you know, when you're an expert in failure like your manager, Arsene Wenger, like... But Man United are born on winners. Like Alex Ferguson was a bit of a prick as well. Like for his whole twenty-six years, whatever he is there. That's what we need. This, no, this is exactly what you don't need. You you got an example of what Jose Mourinho is the other weekend, right? Yeah. The club has just won a trophy, but instead the spotlight had to be on him. But that's because Van Hal is gone now, and they need Mourinho in to get players in before the Euros are. And yeah. And do you think that couldn't have been waited? That couldn't have been kept till the next day. Well, Absolutely, yeah, it could have. That's fault. Mourinho leaking that because he's an no. egotistical maniac that couldn't no. stand his name not being in there. That is him trying to make the ultimate power move. One hundred percent, it is. It's I'm happy ev- for that. <laughs> Absolutely, it'll end in tears. Look, this is like when this is when the mother duck, you know, doesn't like the young duckling going out at night to meet boys and stuff like that. Don't come back to me when he breaks your heart, right? Every I, manager, I'm li- every I'm manager talking, of football ends in tears. I, Arsene Wenger hasn't. I am There's telling you this now. <laughs> do not... 12 years of tears. What are you talking about? Do not come back to me saying, I won't be there to, hold, to rub your hair, Sean, and wipe the tears away, saying I thought he was different. I thought he wasn't like the other guys before he doesn't text you again. There are two sorts of managers. And then he matches with your mate on Tinder. Do not come back to me then, Sean. There are two sorts of managers. Ones that have just been sacked and ones that are about to be sacked. There you go. No, there's not. That's yeah. the, that, that's a fact. What? No. How do you know someone's about to be sacked? Yeah. Why can't they retire? Then they're not being sacked. Yeah. What if they resign? They sacked themselves. They sacked them. Ah, nobody resigns. They all get sacked. Nobody retires. They're all pushed out. Wenger will resign. He'll have to resign because Arsenal's so stupid they won't sack him. How dumb are Arsenal like? How you could have got Klopp in Let's, there, you could have got Mourinho, you could have got Ancelotti. But no, I would, we would not have taken Mourinho because they're actually a decent club. They don't, they care about that sort of stuff. No, just they're happy with being losers. Arsenal, basically, you're a loser. Did you ever see that meme and it's like when you're getting roasted in the group chat and all you can do is mimic their laugh <laughs> and it's the child just being it's a child pulling a very funny face. I could tell you've Google looking up for that before, haven't you? To use, use that, that in the in the yeah. group chat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's actually sorry, it's a meme that goes into group chats and it's usually like when you're getting roasted, but whatever. Mm. Okay, look, whatever. These things happen. <sighs> These things happen in MMA. Speaking of which, fuck all has happened in MMA in the last seven days. Nothing. Yeah. So, sure. questions. <laughs> let's, so, instead of doing, let's talk about what happened in the last seven days. We'll, 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 we'll talk about what's going to happen in the next couple of days here. Um, the UFC are on their way back to, I think it's Atlanta. No, it's a Mandalay Bay event center in Las Vegas this Saturday night. Uh, it's a good little, um, a good little fight in a card. I was you pulled it up there before, and you were kind of surprised by, uh, by what's on it. Um, Sorry, like, Sean. Yeah, I actually had this open, and I meant to say it to you here, we're never going through British bingo nicknames again because they're the most ridiculous things in the world. Are they? Why? Number nine is called Doctor's Orders because number nine was a laxative pill given out by army doctors in World War Two. 
Who cares? The lawnmower. Guess what number that is? Um, I have no idea. 14, because the original lawnmower had a 14-inch blade. Okay, let's stop this now. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <sighs> anyway, what's your favourite fight in this card? Out of all of them. So, just because of the little beef that I think he's trying to make about it, Aljamain Sterling and Brian Caraway is one that I will watch, hopefully for some sort of interaction either in the cage or immediately afterwards I can I can see it just boiling over the Waynes would be one to look out for as well I think aside from that we've spoken on this card uh, spoken on this podcast before that aside from Tony Ferguson I probably have the biggest man crush on Jorge Masvidal thanks to his uh, appearances on Miami Hustle all of those years ago brilliant uh, a brilliant video Was it? it wasn't really a video blog but it was by Genghis Khan Promotions have you seen it? I think I have years ago. I and can't remember that. Alexis Villas, was that who it was? Kimbo was... as well, wasn't he? And stuff, wasn't he? Or... For what? Oh my God. He was like friends with Kimbo on the streets and stuff as well, wasn't he? Um, I'm not too sure. But it was I like... Yeah. I think he was. I don't, know if... I don't know if anybody is... Uh... Yeah, it's not... They don't even have a wiki... Wikipedia page. Was it Miami Hustle? I don't know. I can't remember. Um... I remember that there was a video. Was all right. He was in something like that. I can't think of it. Jorge Masvidal, and he was uh, featured very prominently, and it was like they were following him in his house. He, like he used to just like sit at home the whole time, and his coach had to come and get him and uh, get him out. That's actually funny because I follow Lorenz Larkin on Snapchat, and he like he's one of those guys that because of his Snapchat story, I kind of want to pick against him because he like he's always in the nightclub and he's always like out in the club. Like- <laughs> the week before he's fighting stuff like oh god should, should he really be doing that like should I be picking him but yeah that's a good that's a good fight I like that fight inside um, betting tips via snapchat via snapchat exactly um, that's the kind of fight I think where it could look a little bit like the the Larkin fight against um, uh, what's his name the last guy he fought to Albert Tumanov who Gunnar Nelson just beat like Masvidal will come forward and he'll try to attack Larkin. And Larkin will let him kind of come forward and try to... Maybe not... He's not the best counterpuncher in the world. He likes to go forward himself. But I think he'll let Larkin... Or he'll let Masvidal do that. And he'll try to attack from the back foot. Like, he did pretty well against um, uh, against Tumanov landing those leg kicks and stuff. But I think that could that could be a good fight. Like, Masvidal has a little bit of a tendency to kind of tire a little bit or... Not tired so much as kind of let his guard on. You know, he might win the first round, be winning the second, and then he'll kind of rest in his laurels. And you could see Lorenz Larkin coming forward then and doing that. But that is that is exciting fight written all over it. Um, the Algerman starting one as well that you mentioned there in Caraway. I don't think that's I don't think that's a competitive fight really. I think Sterling, I think Sterling is what Caraway. You know, he always struggles against. You know, he's faster guy who hits hard. Uh, Caraway has improved like an awful lot since his time and and the Ultimate Fighter, and um, like he's only lost in the last couple of years is to to Rafael or to Rafael and so like that Eddie Wineland victory was very good, um, and he beat you know, he, I think he beat Eric Perez as well, um, which are all good, but. I think I think this is going to be a coming of age for Aljamain Sterling. You know, he has the he has the the difficulty of the uh, you know the, the contract negotiations and stuff behind him. We thought he was going to end up in Bellator, or maybe World Series of Fighting and stuff. But at thirteen and all now, you know, I think he's ranked in the top five 
at bantamweight, we, especially with two bantamweights top this card, and you know, Hinnom Barroza as well, the ex champion. It's a big, you know, it's a big night for bantamweights, and I think Aljamain Sterling, he has a big showing on Fight Pass as well. We spoke about that last couple of weeks, that the Fight Pass main event is now a big thing rather than use before it used to be kind of a punishment but now it's actually a big thing his name's getting out there and if he can if he can win this and win it well maybe and you know finish off brian Carraway, this could be a big thing for him and you could see him getting a title shot maybe in the next uh in the next nine six to nine months maybe let's say Algermain sterling wins at the weekend it's pretty much locked on in my opinion that the winner of the of the main event should be next for a title shot at 135. Fair enough to say? Um, the Dillashaw Aston fight is there as well, but maybe it's going to be one of the two of them. I, I would like to see it be one of the two of them. I've no real interest right away of seeing TJ Dillashaw fight for the title again, assuming he wins in his next fight. But at the same time, maybe people are still going to think, oh, give these guys one more fight. But then you're running into the, the problem of the next logical fight is Aljamain Sterling for either one of those guys if they don't uh, if they don't win. I think Aljamain mm-hmm. Sterling will fight the loser of the main event at the weekend. That is a fight I'd like to see next. Yeah, that that could happen but then you could think- bury someone like Cody Garbrandt who go who maybe loses two and you're like, "Ah, oh, no." Do you know, I think it may be yeah. too soon, maybe just maybe a bad idea for the UFC to bury a guy so close to having like, you can build something on these title shots. Like, if you really want to build something, you could say Cody Garbrandt's going after Dominic Cruz or Uriah Faber, depending on who wins. Thomas Almeida fighting either one of those two guys is going to be exciting regardless. And then if Aljamain Sterling's in the picture, you've got three potential title contenders for a champion to solidify their dominance. Maybe in a D- Demetrius Johnson-esque way, if Dominic Cruz went through all three of those guys, would that not rise his stock massively as a dominant champion? Yeah, it's difficult with, um, you know, with Cruz. But he, as you said there, like he has, he has the people who are going to make him that. You know, we spoke about Chris Weidman before when he was the champion. Like, if he had beaten Rockhold after beating Anderson and Leoto, and then if he beats uh, Jacare and Romero, you know that that would really make him a huge champion or one of the best ever. And I think. Cruz is, okay, they're not as big a names as those guys that I just mentioned, but they're really good fighters. They're all really, really good. Obviously, he has Faber now. He just beat Dillashaw. See if he could beat Almeida. Then, you know, Aston Sow maybe. Then Sterling. That, you know, that's really, really good. Um, but Bantamweight's such a good division. It's it's one of the best. You know, it's, it's maybe light from 20 down or something, but the, those top 20 fighters are really good. Like, Eddie Wineland is ranked 15th at, 15th at the moment. Like John Ineker is there as well now. John Ineker is actually fighting Michael McDonald as well, which is another great fight. Like there's some great matchmaking at the moment. But it's going to be tough. Like there's so many people around there. I actually think Dillashaw will get a title shot if he wins again. And then you're looking at, as you, as you said, there, like the winner of this Almeida Garbrandt fight could be fighting the winner of this Sterling Caraway fight. That's you know that's going to be an unbelievable fight. Whoever it is, like say Sterling against Almeida, Sterling against Garbrandt, that's a huge fight. Um, and it, but like, what it's if Brian Carraway wins, Sean? Yeah, I don't think he will win, but it's still, that's that's still a good fight. I think Garbrandt or um, Almeida are both very tough fights for uh, for Brian Carraway. Like I, uh, I suppose we can get on to the main event uh, before we we look at a couple more of the other fights. But I think that main event is. Um, 
it's a very tough fight to, to, to call for me. I, I was watching a lot of tape on both these guys, and they're, they're similar guys when they're kind of in the pocket, when they're when they're clashing, but they're different outside that. I, I came up with this. They're kind of like they're kind of like Paul Scholes and Rude Van Nistelrooy, right? Rude Van Nistelrooy stands in the box and he waits for the ball to come to him and then he puts it away. Fox in the box. Whereas Paul Scholes would score from that same ball, right? From He could score from the exact same cross in, but he'd run from like 15 yards out and meet it. And I think Garbrandt's a little bit like Paul Scholes and Almeida's a little bit like Rude Van Nistelrooy. Almeida will stand in the pocket and he will just hit you and keep hitting. He'll take shots. Whereas Garbrandt would come in from outside and he'll hit you with big shots and then he'll get back out. Garbrandt reminds me a little bit of Conor McGregor. I think he kind of bases his game a little bit on him. He tries to fight very, very like him. You know, he's he came up as a boxer and he's added in a lot of kicks and, you know, his movement from the outside, kind of karate kind of style. Um, but when he's throwing his hands, he throws them like Almeida does. He throws them in, in combinations of hooks a lot of the time. He comes in and throws his jab and then lets the hooks go. Um, Garbrandt likes to hit in maybe twos or threes, whereas Almeida's like five, six, sevens, just huge output. And I honestly don't know who's going to win. You know, it's, uh, whoever's going to, I think it's whoever's going to land the big shot first will probably win. I don't think it'll be as easy as one big shot uh, making it. Then again, I don't know, because I was just looking at some. I was just taking it back there for a minute, Sean, because as you were talking about him being a boxer, I had uh, skipped onto Cody Garvin's Wikipedia page, and I'm actually, he's a year older than me, which kind of made me feel a bit shit about my life, considering he's uh, 8-0 as a professional MMA fighter, but whatever. Mm. And he, uh, his, his style, according to Wikipedia, is a 9-2-2 back alley brawler. So look, if it's anything, uh, anything like that, then in for a treat. I do think that Thomas Almeida, however, is on to better things. I think it's a fight that may come... This is the... I don't want to say the benchmark for Cody Garbrandt because he's young in his career. He's only 8 no, He still has a lot of time to grow compared to Lineker's 20-plus fights. Or not Lineker, uh, Almeida's 20-plus fights. I do think... uh, So, if Cody Garbrandt beats him, you're looking at Cody Garbrandt as this guy will be a future champion. But if yeah. Almeida beats him, it's just like, it's not that bad of a loss for Garbrandt because he's still the un... Don't want to say the unpolished product. What should I say? Unfinished product. Unfinished, yeah. And even at that, it's very unfair of me to say something like an unfinished article or an unfinished fighter considering um, you compare, despite being the same age, how many fights Almeida has had as well. Do you know, he was fighting a lot more often, a lot longer maybe than Cody and it's just the sort of position that Cody's in now that we're still kind of looking at his career we've seen it in his last two fights to be honest I did think that uh, Tanquinho had a good chance of beating him if he was able to submit him in the last if he was able to get a good position on him in the last fight and it seems like he's just answered all of these tests And Cody Garvin maybe if you're going to say that he could potentially be a future star in the UFC he, he has number one he has the look he's an absolutely stunning man great barnet great tattoos Nice beard, knows how to fight. What what else do you need? Exactly. I think your your point about him being the unfinished article is, is correct. All of his fights, he's we shown see huge glimpses. improvements. Yeah, yeah, there's there's been very, he's changing off a lot. Like in his his first couple of fights in the UFC, even like I think he's only had four fights in the UFC. He was very much, you know, very much the boxer, and he's changed now. 
as I said, they're kind of fighting like McGregor on the outside with a lot of, you know, with a lot of movement. Whereas Thomas Almeida kind of is what he is. But I think, I think this fight is actually suits Garbrandt a little bit because Almeida will let you hit, hit him. Like he gets hit an awful lot. Okay, that improved kind of in his last fight. But I think that picket fight kind of opened his eyes a little bit to a, uh, to the problem, you know, he comes from the shooter box academy. That, you know, all they know is go forward, and I think he's realised maybe, you know, he's going to need a little bit more than that in in modern day MMA. He's shown little bits of improvements in his last fight, but I wonder is it enough? Like, if he hasn't improved again, if you know, he needs big improvements in that area, and if Garbrandt can catch him, it's going to be very tough. Like, someone made a point to me. I think it was Grabaka Hitman about. Almeida doesn't really get started until he gets, you know, put in the seat of his pants a couple of times. If that happens against Garbrandt, you know, he might be getting up off the seat of his pants because Garbrandt hits very, very hard. I think that's, you know, I think that's probably his be- his best trait and he's accurate as well. So, um, you know, I think this is a tough fight for Almeida. Almeida, like, loves a war. If, you know, if this descends into, you know, a war over seven or eight minutes or something, I think Almeida will probably end up winning it because um, nobody, you know, nobody can mess with him there. But as I, I think, like, I could see Garbrandt one punch knocking him out. I really could see that happening. I'm, you know, I'm very torn on this fight because if he can't do that, I think Almeida will win. But I can see that happening. Uh, like, I'm very torn on this. I'm, I'm not sure who to pick. I would, like, I wouldn't never bet in this fight. I wouldn't tell anyone to bet in this fight. But I think afterwards, we're kind of going to be, as you said there, like, if Garbrandt wins this, it's going to be he's going to be on going on to title. Or if Almeida wins it, he's kind of he's on that road already. And he's going to be further. So, I think this is the kind of one you look at better with better at in hindsight than beforehand. Like it, it's a very tough one to call. And I think both guys are actually you know they have big futures ahead of them. Whatever happens, hypothetical situation. Yeah, Cody Garbrandt wins at the weekend. Uriah Faber wins. Ooh, beats Dominic Cruz. Do we have another snake in the grass, or is Cody the <laughs> Cody the type of boy to uh, just? I'd say Uriah Faber knows himself that if he does beat Dominic Cruz, he is towards the downturn of his career. Do you know what I mean? It won't be an a reign of epic proportions. Do you know what I mean? It's not the sort of reign to stop Cody Garbrandt from ever holding a bantamweight championship in the UFC. Yeah, I don't think Cody will fight him, to be honest, but. I think Cody'd be all right with fighting a couple of more fights. I don't, yeah, I don't think Uriah is going to beat Dominic either. But yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? It could, it could be another situation. And it's kind of always the problem when you have a lot of high class guys in the same gym. I suppose. I'm just look. I'm causing trouble. I'm just you hoping. Are. I'm hoping for the worst situation here. To be honest, yeah. you are. Well, what about the co-main event as well? Hindenburg against Jeremy Stevens. Um, Hindenburg going up to featherweight. Obviously, we're talking a lot debut. about. Uh, yeah, I'm talking a lot about Faber there. He made mincemeat of Faber a couple of times for getting made mincemeat of himself by by TJ Dillashaw. Where do you where do you stand on the whole Hen and Brow thing now at the moment? I think we're gonna actually see a much better Hen and Brow than we have maybe in his last three fights. I know yeah. he did get get the win in between the two Dillashaw, uh, the two Dillashaw losses, but I think just looking at him, he's been cutting down to one thirty five for a long, long time. You know, and it is. Uh, uh, you heard, you heard. Siri, he put up a message on Twitter the other day about the new weighing rules for fighters, saying that one thirty, what was it, one thirty six, is the flyweight limit for the new so, UFC provisions. He would find a lot of flyweights would find one thirty six uh, difficult to be at for the following week. 
Henenborough has struggled with the cut to 135 in the past, especially when he was having to make championship weight for a lot of those fights. He has spoken about the cut being bad for him or being difficult for him in the past. The only issue here is that outside of McGregor, they've probably given him the biggest featherweight that he possibly could have gotten in his debut. It's not the sort of matchup that you're looking at thinking, okay, Henenborough, guy moving up from bantamweight, he's going to get someone maybe on the lighter end of the scale to see how he adapts to it. He won't... I, I don't... It's not as easy a fight for him to be able to show how much quicker and how good his speed capabilities could be at that division for how lightning quick they were at 135. He can definitely rinse a lot of 45ers and finish them as well. But when you're coming up against a guy who literally is that... Uh, I, I don't want to say that much bigger than you, but is just looking to get hands on you and put you down, then we may see a lackluster performance from Henningborough at 145 that results in people writing him off, saying like, oh, this dude's finished, or oh, this guy shouldn't, be, shouldn't still be fighting, or this guy shouldn't be at 145, he should just cut to 135 and fight down there. Yeah, it's a little bit like that Brendan Lachnan and Tom Duncan Moff fight. It's like a 155er fighting kind of a 135er, and they're kind of meeting in the middle. I I agree with you. I think this is a tough fight for him as well, especially because Stevens hits so hard. Like, you know, there's a big difference between you know, like knocking guys out at featherweight and lightweight, which he has done, and fighting a bantamweight. So, you know, if, if Stevens was to catch Burrow, especially like he's taken a lot of damage in these last two or three fights, you know, it could be could be a tough fight for, for Burrow. Um, I'm actually, I think I'm going to pick Stevens in, in this fight because of that. You know, size, strength, you know, power. I think they all favour Stevens. Like, Burrow has... What has kind of been a knockout artist and a submission artist kind of over his last, you know, over his reign as champion, from interim champion to the kind of real champion. And it's going to be very tough to do, you know, to finish Jeremy Stevens because of the size difference. And Jeremy Stevens is no muggy, like, I know he's lost a lot of fights and stuff, but he's going to be, you know, he's going to be bang up for this. He's probably seen this as his opportunity to get back towards the top of the featherweight. You know, he's lost a lot of fights recently and he's, you know, he's... He's the type of guy that jumps on these opportunities. I think was it Dennis Bermudez that he beat um, a while back as well when Bermudez was was uh, was going very well, and you know he has one. He has this kind of win in him, you know, and I think he I think he could pull it off. I just have a, I have a, a little sneaking feeling he's going to do it. I can remember Norman Park talking about training with Jeremy Stevens before and just saying his size and his wrestling was. Unbelievable, and that's from a 155er. Yeah, so I know when uh, Norman was overtraining with him in Alliance at the time. Going off one thing that you said there about having a win in him, having that win in him, I agree when I think that he can pull it out of the bag, but it's like at this stage, has he got that in him? And I don't mean, I don't mean like that he's 36, I don't mean that he's anything like that. Still relatively young. But as you're talking about maybe past performances, like the psychological aspect of this from a fighter, I think, is definitely one of the most interesting parts of this fight. Stevens has now been seen as the guy who's welcoming Burrow to the division. Okay? That there's more pressure on him already. Off the bat, this guy was the champion. Now he's looking for a new home. You're gonna be the one to welcome him there. There's like, oh well, you're not coming into my division, you're not coming into my yard, all of this sort of stuff. It's a high-pressure situation for both guys here, and I just have a bad feeling that although this has the potential to be a really, really good fight, in light, almost mirror-imaging the first fight, but or the, the main event, 
But now we're in, a, in an awkward situation where there's so many external factors that could actually prevent this fight from being the fight that the fans deserve. If these two had fought at different times under different circumstances, I'd be saying, shut up, take my money. I'd say Jeremy Bader's pants would be long gone off. But for some reason, there's just... I think there could be a bit... Hesitation, maybe, from yeah, both fighters maybe. in that. I think there'll be an extended feeling out process. Barrow maybe being anxious about getting hit by the much bigger guy. Stevens being like, right, this guy, allegedly, he's quicker than me. He's, he's, he's former champion. Like, he's going to be trying to put it on me to make a statement. And then it's like the case of both guys overthinking things too much and it just turning into a stalemate on the feet for a while. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm completely wrong. It, that could happen. You know, Barrow seems to Yeah, Stevens actually didn't do that a little bit as well, but he kind of comes on late. It could be one of those fights where nothing happens for the first like twelve minutes, and the last three minutes or a shootout. Then it could be very good. But yeah, because yeah. on that, just very quickly, uh, Barrow. How many times have we seen that happen? Like, how many times have you seen Barrow, as we say in hip hop, Sean, go from zero to one hundred real quick when it comes to having mm. to turn on a finishing sequence or to really put on the power, put a guy up against the cage, and finish them with strikes. Exactly what TJ Dillashaw did to him. Um, that's when we see him really go. The same way we were talking about Thomas Almeida. Thomas Almeida gets turned on when he gets hit. I'm convinced. And the, and the only way he can like revert himself back to normal is by hitting people more. Do you know what I mean? Like you, Perfect what you said about a shot needed to wake him up. I think it's going to be something exactly like that. I'm putting my money on it now. A tentative, uneventful co-main event this weekend. Could be. Could be. Uh, some good fights on the rest card. I think... Tarek Safadine's actually out. They're looking for a replacement for Rick's story, so we leave that one on the back burner for the moment. The horror. Um, yes, indeed. Nice seeing back. Uh, Josh Berkman against your boy Paul Felder. You think? Watching that's a tough fight for Paul Felder because Josh Berkman is one of those guys. that has been you know he's been around a long time. He's another guy who wins fights. He's probably not supposed to win. Um, tough wrestler will put you up against cage. Very very hard to finish. I think that's. I think that one's definitely going to the decision anyway, whichever way it goes. I think it could be, you know, Felder, as you said there, is a, about the other two lads. Sometimes he finds it hard to pull the trigger and maybe not pull the trigger, but maybe, you know, maybe land the shot. He, sometimes he finds it hard to do that. And, you know, you see him throwing a lot of spinning back fists and stuff. And he, he's obviously improving as a fighter. And, you know, he's one of those fighters that everyone likes watching. But... Could be, could be a tough fight for him to look good in, I think, against Josh Berkman. And that's opening up the main guard. They usually put one that's going to impress to open up the main guard. But I'm not too sure about that one. I think Felder will probably win the decision, but I wouldn't be too sure it's going to be a great fight. I'm a li- I think I agree with you that I think Felder is going to win, but I don't think it's going to be... Again, people are maybe hoping that this is going to be a stand-up war, that we're going to get to see Felder throw some nice flashy kicks or some beautiful striking. I think Berkman has a very good chance of submitting him. I think if Berkman can get the fight down to the ground in any way, shape or form, then I think Felder actually could be in quite a bit of trouble. And that's Maybe. that's coming from a jiu-jitsu fanboy point of view. Not that Josh Berkman is anything absolutely fantastic or outstanding about his, uh, about his jiu-jitsu, but like, when you're able to tap and beat guys at 170... Do you know what I mean? And be able to win up there. Even though Felder is a big lightweight and people are saying like big cut or it's a huge cut from him. It's like being able to impose your will on these guys that are cutting to 170 and still being able to submit them. It's like it is going to seem easy. I think that's you're going to have a lot of interesting matchups over the next while with the UFC with a lot of people having to change divisions where it's like 
nearly mismatches of weight and size within divisions themselves. Does that make yeah. sense? Am I talking? It does, yeah. Just yeah. a little bit. I like, at the same time, I do think Felder is going to win. I'm just saying if this fight goes to the ground, I'm interested in seeing what Felder's game plan would be in terms of staying safe and how effective he is at staying safe on the ground and avoiding submission attempts. Yeah, that that would, would be interesting, yeah. Sarah McMahon, Jessica, I too, another good fight. You know, it's, I think Sarah McMahon kind of needs, she needs something. a big win here. Yeah, she definitely needs something. Um, Jessica, I needs it as well. You know, she was kind of the one supposedly destined for a title shot a while back and it, you know, it just didn't work out for her. So this is, yeah, I like that fight. It's a good fight. Obviously, McMahon's wrestling is going to be the big, uh, the big thing. If I can stop her taking down, she should win it. But uh, it's going to be tough too. I think I fancy McMahon on that one. Both girls uh, coming off two fight, uh, two fight losses, Sean. Yeah. Someone getting cut at the weekend. Could that, be. Oh no, no, no way. It could be Sarah McMahon. She's looked so bad. Like she could get cut. She's she's looked that bad. I don't think Jessica will, because I think they'll probably. We do a Cleveland show, and I think she'll be on it with uh, with Steve and stuff. But I don't, you know, just our Sarah McMahon. She's just like I remember. It was actually came up on like my time hop there a couple of days ago. I remember I wrote an article um, a couple of years, maybe like three or four years ago. The about, lady to dethrone Ronda Rousey. No, but I like someone asked me. Oh, it was one of my Q and A's actually. That was it. I used to do Q and A's, and someone asked if Ronda Rousey was wasn't in the division, who'd be the one taking on the mantle? I was like, oh, Sarah McMahon. You know, she she has it all. She has the wrestling. And her boxing is starting to look good, and the improvements are definitely going to come. But the improvements kind of never did come, and I don't think I don't think she's had a big camp. She's you know. She's kind of stuck on wrestling an awful lot. She's yeah. Just looking at a Revolution MMA. I'm not. I'm not too familiar with them. You know, she, I think she's working a full time job. You know, she's a full time mother. I think she's a single mother as well. You know, it's, it's tough to. You know, it's tough for someone like her to get. You know, to improve that much when she saw many other things gone at the same time, and you know, fighting some of the best people in the world who are improving at a rate of knots. Um, but you know, if she could get it all together and. I think she still has the potential even even now, but it's gonna be it's gonna be tough because if those improvements don't come, UFC are rootless. They are rootless and you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see her getting caught if she lost to Jessica at the weekend. Speaking of rootless, Sean. Mm-hmm. No, I don't even have it. I was gonna say rootless of them giving Michael Bisving a title shot, but no, that's well, maybe it maybe it is if you're worried about the grievous bodily harm that's gonna fall upon Michael Bisving at the hands of Luke Rockhold. Yeah, that that's that's fair enough. It's a, did did you want him getting this title shot like that? Or? Well, since we will segue nicely into this uh, yeah. for those that have been living under the proverbial mixed martial arts rock and only listen to our podcast in the last seven days, unfortunately, Chris Weidman has got injured yet again and has had to pull out of another fight. Uh, this time with Luke Rockhold, Sean. I believe that's five pullouts. Yeah, I think Mike Bond put that up. Yeah, five five injury pullouts in the last. Well, was it eight fights or something and like this that? Has a, this has a big spiel and a big explanation over what it was that happened. It does seem to be a little bit more serious than just, yeah, I could have fought through it. So, speedy recovery to Chris Weidman. Before we get on to the fight itself, I've got a question for you, Mr. Sheehan. Yes. Has... Oh, who's the guy I'm thinking of? Ah, has... Chris Weidman just done a... Insert generic fighter who waited for a title shot, then didn't get title shot. Oh, TJ Grant? No, 
Machida's in that? No, um, some lighter weight fighter deliberately wanted to sit out and wait for a title shot. I know we made fun of Tyrone Woodley. Tyrone Woodley was one of them, and he ended yeah. up getting it somehow. But there was definitely a fighter from a couple of years ago that was on the cusp of a title shot, just wanted to wait. Maybe it was Anthony Pettis. Maybe it is Anthony Pettis yeah. we're thinking of here. Either way, the question remains, has Chris Weidman shot himself in the foot here? I don't think he should be in line for an immediate title fight when he comes back. This was your opportunity. You got beaten very badly in the first fight. Do you know what I mean? Rockhold, from my remembering, haven't seen the fight, haven't watched it back since then, I had Rockhold winning on the scorecards before he got uh, the finish anyway. But also, I'm just sick of people saying like, well, if Weidman hadn't have done this, it's like, but he did. That's like saying if he had a knocked out or decisioned Luke Rockhold... That's effectively the exact same as saying, yeah, but if Rockhold had knocked him out unconscious in the first round, then he would have been the champion. He did it. He made an error. I have absolutely no idea why he did it, and he got punished for it. And please stop bringing it up as an excuse for why he lost the fight. I agree. That's the weird... It's weird. It seems to be around the middleweight division as well. Like, they said the same with Weidman when he beat Anderson Silva. Like, oh, Anderson Silva was clowning. Uh, yeah, he's in um, a mixed martial arts fight in the octagon. You shouldn't be clowning. And if you do and get knocked out, that's on you, buddy. That's on you. You know? The, he Chris Weidman won that fight fair and square. I've always said it. Okay, this fight, I think... My first feeling when I heard Chris Weidman was that was this is a blessing in disguise for him. When I heard of the severity of the injury, okay, that's maybe a little bit different because it's it's pretty bad injury, neck injury and stuff. It's going to need surgery. So from that point of view, it obviously isn't. But I, I agree with you. This this title fight was coming too soon, and not I know he made that mistake and whatever happened from that. But the biggest thing I look at from that fight is the absolute beating that Luke Rockhold gave him in that fight. And you can't come from that, you know, you can't come from that straight away and be back ready for ready for Luke Rockhold again, ready for a high, you know, profile championship fight again. You need to go back. I think if he comes back in, say, whatever, eight months, a year's time, fights one or two fights and then gets into a title chat, I think he'd be a lot better off than if he was fighting Rockhold in two weeks' time. As for Bisping, I think Bisping deserves the shot now. Oh, yeah. Like, people people are saying, you know, this is because of what he's done in his career, how long he's been around. But he's, you know, he's won his last three fights in a row. Jack is injured. Yoel Romero is still suspended. Who, you know, who, Tim Kennedy doesn't give a shit about fighting. He's, he's you know, he's not been around. Definitely doesn't deserve it. Um, Vitor just lost. And Silva Silva's out injured. Robert Whitaker. You know, he's doing well, but I think Bisping is ahead of him. Liotta's out suspended. You know, Bisping is the guy. Bisping is the guy. He deserves it. Even if, you know, even if it wasn't Michael Bisping who's been this servant for for years and years. He beat CB Dalloway. He beat Talis Lettis, who was on a, a great run at the time. Or a great run anyway for the last couple of years. And he beat Anderson Silva, who's the greatest fighter of all time. He deserves this fight. And it's good that he got it now as well, because I, I mentioned at the time, and it's, maybe it's a little bit bad on Bisping, but... He's a kind of a title shot you kind of want to get out of the way because I think we all know he's not going to win. 
but he deserves to get the title shot. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, it's good that Jack Ray will have a full camp to fight Rockhold. Like, if Bisping had a full camp to fight Rockhold, I don't think it would really matter, you know. We just kind of want to get him his title shot and then... In and out. You know, he, yeah, he can, <laughs> he can do what he wants after that. Thanks for that, Michael. <laughs> it's, that might sound a little bit bad. I think it's weird as well I think a lot of kind of the UK people are kind of coming out and goes oh this is a big opportunity for Bisping and uh, yeah not really kind of not really no it's 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 a great you know it's a great fight for him to have to get like it's great for him to be on a championship fight we nobody you know I didn't think he'd get it like especially after that loss to Tim Kennedy I think that was the big loss you know you, it was like when he lost to Vitor and, and Chael and stuff like that you know they were all kind of uh, the Chael fight especially was very close I thought he actually won that fight but the Vitor fight okay he got knocked out but you know you could you could see him come back from that but the Tim Kennedy fight after he had just lost to Vitor and like what uh, you know a year before after be, you know he beat Belcher after that that was kind of a fight I think can he come back from that and he lost rock all again, and you know like, that was it. You know it's it's kind of over now. But fair play to him. Like he's always said, he's stuck by his you know stuck by his gun. Said he's gonna said he's gonna you know get towards the title shot. He didn't need to take that Anderson Silva fight. You know he could have maybe even waited out after winning two wins in a row, win the division. You know as I said, like I went through all those people there who are not you know not up for the fight at the moment. Like the division is light, like one injury and you're you know you're in for a title shot um, at the top level. But fair play to him. Like he didn't need as I said he didn't need to take the Anderson Silva fight. Took it, won it, and he definitely deserves a title shot. Local, uh, local stat man. Well, international stat man as well, Mike Bond. I know you came up with one earlier on. Yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it was him that put it up. I saw it on Twitter the other day. Michael Bisbing has the longest active fighting streak in the UFC without having never fought for a title. Oh yeah, I think miles. he's had 28 fights, or yeah. this will be his 29th fight. Yeah, I think Joe Lawson is the only one maybe close. I think there's. I think I wouldn't think there's anyone else within like ten fights of him. As close yeah. without having got a title shot. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. I will. Uh, I'll double check it. But either way, now onto the actual fight. I completely agree with what you're saying. By the way, Michael Bisping completely deserves this shot. Um, for, like, and by your logic as well. By the way, I'll have you just catch up there on the UK scene. Okay, I'm very much looking forward to the coverage the UK guys give Paddy Pimblin in 2027 when he's defending his UFC title for the first time. Because that's around about the time that they'll get behind him at this stage. Um, but on a side, uh, as an aside, this is the biggest opportunity Michael Bisbing has ever had in his career. It doesn't matter what happens in the fight. You're dead right when you say at least it's on two weeks notice because maybe eight weeks or 12 weeks wouldn't make that much of a difference. But this leads for an absolute compelling Michael Bisbing fight. In against Anderson Silva, he took a couple of those shots. And then, I don't want to say he, he drew back a little bit. But I think ever since the fact, ever since his injury, Michael Bisbing has been tentative. And I'm using that word far too much this week. In terms of his style of fighting. Possibly with the fact that maybe another bad injury could make him go blind. Didn't he lose his, nearly lose his vision in his eye the last time? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. This time, though, fair enough, those concerns may be in the back of his head. But Michael Bisping could be going into this fight thinking, do you know what? This is my last chance. Do you know what I mean? This is my last opportunity. This could even be my last fight in the UFC. I've got two weeks' notice. 
I don't have the time to prepare. I don't have the time to game plan. I don't have time to get fit to try take this out for a decision. I am going to have to walk Rockhold down, try punch him in the mouth. That's why he made in the little face-off thing that they did on uh, on UFC Tonight that aired last week. Bisbing kind of stressed the fact that all he needs to do is land one punch. One punch in a fight is a game changer. And he mentioned that a couple of times. You, so I think... Bisbing is going to come out. We're talking about maybe upcoming potential fights that we think could disappoint us after getting up excited for it. I don't think this is going to be the case. I think Bisbing is going to come out and try take Rockhold's head clean off, and Rockhold is only going to be too happy to stand and beat him up. Yeah, Pity Bisbing has no punching power, and that is never ever going to happen. <laughs> you know, he's never going to knock him out, not at all. You know, like I, Bisbing's not going to take him down and submit him. Not going to knock him out in the feet. Not going to win the decision. Disqualification, I think, is Bisping's only route to victory draw. here, to be honest. No contest. No, not even going to get a draw. Like, he did pretty well against Rockhold in the first round of the last fight until he got kind of, I know he's poked in the dire head, but or stuff, but I think it was more of a kind of an excuse than anything else. And Rockhold destroyed him in the second round on a, you know, on a full camp and everything. But yeah, you know, I don't think I don't think this is uh, this is one for him to win. But just on, on the. Uh, just two things you mentioned there on a brief aside UK or uh, Paddy Pemblet UFC, <laughs> UFC tonight first um, it was funny wasn't it that they recorded um, or they, they reported that Chris Cyborg was fighting Jeremy and Randomy and Chris Cyborg came out and said no I'm not I'm fighting for my Invicted Idol next hashtag bring back Helwani and um, the next on one on that you, you, can I just <laughs> look I, you, you know exactly what I'm going to say here right yeah. Well, no, I don't. How can Megan O'Leary be called a UFC insider? I like she's a she's great and all. She's not a really nice. She's person, very it's, good, it's, but she's Fox an employee. Sports. It's weird. Yeah, she's working for the UFC, like on Fox Sports. They should just stop lying about things like that. Just say Dana White announced it, or just you know, she just, say she spoke to UFC executives yeah, or whatever. Like exactly. Ariel was actually gimmick, getting like. those scoops. Yeah, Ariel was getting those scoops. Why? Like why take? Ariel, what Ariel was doing, and say, oh no, somebody else is doing it. Like that's you know that's just not happening. Like just come on, deal with it. Like they're just using UFC tonight now as a as a pawn in negotiations, basically, which is which is really weird. Like Ariel doesn't report anything unless he you know he sources it from a couple of different places and makes sure it's correct. So yeah, that's a bit weird. And but, just on that, not to sound like a hater, because yeah. I think Megan O'Leary does a fantastic job as an interviewer and I think she's grown as a broadcaster as well but yes. for her to be doing that role and to be portraying that role you've seen the absolute backlash that someone like Karen Bryant gets whenever she goes on television mm-hmm. from general uh, population whether it's on Twitter whether it's on Reddit whether it's all over there are like probably one of the most polarizing figures in the sport in terms of are you a fan are you not a fan you either really like her or people really dislike her in that role that Megan O'Leary currently has where internet fans will be like, nah, like, like you just said, not saying that you're an internet fan, but to bring back Helwani or Ariel was screwed or we need Ariel and that's his thing and now you're just like, we know where you're getting this information from. That's when people turn. Do you know what I yeah, mean? And that's, sure. That could be a bad thing for Megan O'Leary. Stock, maybe her brand yeah. long term, is to be associated with something like that. For example, let's say... In theory, Ariel Helwani tomorrow is just like, do you know what? MMA is actually the biggest load of crap in the world. 
I get a phone call, hi Andrew, um, Ariel's actually gone, would you be interested in doing this? It would never in a million years happen, but I would never in a million years take it. And that is because you don't want to be the one to follow the king. You don't want to be David Moyes, like exactly. You don't want to be David Moyes. That, that, I couldn't have thought of a better example there in my life. And that is, it's, it's true. Do you know what I mean? People don't like change. People like someone coming up maybe and doing quite good. But if you're directly replacing the person that everybody loved, do you, imagine if someone tried to host the MMA hour. Do you know what I mean? And it was called the MMA. I reckon I could pull it off. I reckon I could pull it off. I love New York Rick could do it no matter. I definitely agree. Okay, <laughs> I'm okay with that. But imagine if an American had to try and present the MMA yeah, hour. There is right. absolutely nobody that could do it while calling it the MMA hour and interacting with people the same way Ariel does. And people would just be like, "What is this?" I have a friend who's the, my one of my best friends is diabetic. His name's Brian, and he hates when he's given a can of Coke light. <laughs> Because it's not the same as Diet Coke, Sean. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. It may have the same color, but it's not as good. Not that it's not that any Coke is good for diabetics, but it's not as bad from as the other. It's Coke Cokes. Zero, is it? No, not Coke Zero. Coke Light. It's same color as a can of Diet Coke. Different taste. It's just. Oh, I, we've had many discussions about cans of Coke in the show, and we will in the coming summer months as well. But aside yeah. from that, shall we move on? Yeah, here's my other thing about UK MMA. Oh yeah, I sorry. Saw- <laughs> Jordan Breen posted an article, I think it was in the Mirror, uh, one of one of those papers anyway, about like Alex Reed and about uh, um, oh, what's his name? The UK's the biggest cage fighter. What's what's your man that got arrested? Uh, Lee Murray. And about Lee Murray like training in jail for Alex Reed wants to find him on Bellator. But it's like when I think of UK MMA, you know, there's some great guys, you know, guys like Harry Williams, Jeff Furness and stuff, you know, covering the sport, doing really Sandu and, and Abby and even Gareth A. Davis for his, uh, for his sins. You know, Jim as well, the... world traveller. That man was in Italy at the weekend. Who? Jim. Jim Edwards. All right. Um, but yeah, guys covering the sport. like, and, But I still and all, I think, I think of it, when I think of UK MMA, I think of like in a hall with like, tables around you know in, in like a dance hall with loads of tables around around the cage and like people drinking you know eating stella. their dinner as they watch it <laughs> drinking stella yeah and like you know this is cage fire you know what's your man's name um from uc dave MMA? o'donnell dave o'donnell yeah that's who i still think of when i think of uk MMA. and I, it's, it's just weird maybe it's just me but i think it's still a little bit that way right? it's like, not it's just still, you <laughs> yeah, it's not MMA. I don't think it's like I don't think MMA has broken through in the UK. I think it's still cage fighting in the MMA in the UK for a large part, which is and we've spoken about it loads of times before. And like I think it's a lot to do with tradition and stuff that they're very, UK people in the UK are very much, you know, they love their traditional soccer teams or traditional rugby teams and all the stuff like that. And it's very hard for them to pick up new sports uh, like like MMA, you know, and it, it's it's. It's just odd. I think it's very odd. And like, there's, as I said, there's great people doing work, especially the, the um, your oh, what's it again? Your MMA. Why are you our MMA? I always, I always think of it. It's called something else, but yeah, they like those guys especially do great jobs. And as I said, Sandu and Abby as well. But yeah, it, it's just weird. And I think it needs to be on Sky Sports before it, that will change. I think it needs to be on Sky Sports news. And hopefully, with Bisping doing this now, obviously with McGregor as well, they're making a big push into Ireland. You know. It could help maybe Sky Sports um, maybe getting it. You know, the, the, um, the deal is up pretty soon. And if Sky Sports were to get it, it could all change. That could all change. Here's an example of, just to solidify what you just said, 
Tommy Quinn had two unbelievable fights last year uh, against Matt Inman and Lewis Long. Unfortunately, he lost both of them. Looked uh, incredibly, incredibly good in both of them. But I think in one of them, there was like a canopy hanging over the ring. It looked like it was in a tent. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I think there was nearly chandeliers on it as well. It was cloth that was over the over the ring. I'm not saying that's bad, but I always go back. Like, what if if he said nothing but crap for the years that he was involved in Irish MMA? John Ferguson had a cracking line once before that if you are looking at a a highlight reel video of a fighter and you see wins like in the Helix for Cage Warriors, maybe for Bam in the Three Arena, and then the next one is in a is in a hall with no lighting uh, or pictures of the GEA club on the wall in the background of your professional fight, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Do you know what I mean? If that's going to be on a pro highlight reel, if that, it's fine for amateur and stuff like that, but these pro fighters need to be, lo- like whether it's venues, whether it's... I don't know. It's a tiny thing. But to me, that stood out. As, like, imagine if you were watching a highlight reel and you're like, right, this is good, this is good, this is good. Then you see it in the hall and you're like, oh, well, what was the caliber like of the opponent? Now, I don't think like that. I've been at enough fights in GEA halls that have far superseded the quality and ability level of uh, international fights that I've watched around or in different places around the world. So it's not that. But... I think I think you've hit a hit UK MMA bang on there, Sean. As a, as an outsider as well, what like mm. what are you doing? You're gonna Here's have a, you're gonna have multiple <laughs> scathing indirect tweets written about yeah. you, and <laughs> I've probably anyway, fucking once again. and probably a blog post about why the Irish should keep their noses out of UK yeah. MMA. Two pints of lager, please, and, <laughs> and whatever a packet of, a packet of I, pork scratches. I have a good segue here. Oh, speaking of John Ferguson and Cage Contender. Uh huh. What about Cage Contender's favorite son? Oh no, it wasn't Cage Contender. Actually, fuck. I apologize. I was wrong. It was Cage Warriors. Wilson Hayes against Owen Roddy. Oh, I thought. Well, look. If you want to really clutch at straws on your segue, Sean. Yeah. Cage Contender. Owen Roddy. Shannon Googerty. Oh, that was a way. And then Own Roddy yeah. versus Wilson Hayes. There you go. Exactly. Look, it's not it's not perfect, but that's what we do, Sean. Here we think on our feet, we adapt, we overcome, we improvise the situation, and we now do. we are going to be talking about Wilson Hayes fighting Demetrius Johnson for the UFC flyweight title. Now yeah. I can only assume Demetrius Johnson has a bet with the UFC about how many consecutive title defenses <laughs> he wants. Anderson Silva's record. He doesn't care. He doesn't want them to wait. You can go away and do your cool little idea of a tough season. But I need... A, <laughs> homie needs to get paid, right? That's what that's what Demetrius Johnson's thinking. Do you know what I mean? He yeah. cannot afford... Like, literally, he's probably... Compared to other champions, maybe not making as much. That's a fair enough thing to say. But after you've just had a performance, like the one against Henry Cejudo, probably his most complete performance in the UFC so far... Why wouldn't you want to get straight back out there, beat another guy, get paid again, and be one step closer to knocking Anderson Silva off his record? And I think time will tell. I think we'll look back at Demetrius Johnson's record if he does surpass Anderson Silva's number as being a more impressive feat than what Anderson Silva did himself. Four things went through my mind when this happened, when this fight was announced, right? First is Owen Roddy, and it's... That should have been, yeah. Yeah. Second was Neil Siri would have got a title shot if he'd beaten Haraguchi. So there you go, Siri. We know you listen. Yeah. 
Uh, third was Demetrius Shanson is just, he's an animal the way he takes all these fights. You know, what a man, just like all comers, he'll take everyone. It doesn't matter if they have a name or if they're dangerous or whatever. And the fourth thing was, this is actually going to be a good fight. Like, I think, like, we saw that Roddy fight proves, like, Wilson Hayes, you know, he can come through. He can take, you know, he can take damage. He can get in a war. And he's, you know, he's not going to be finished easily or, you know, he's not going to give up. And, you know, and he's he's dangerous as well. Like, he on the ground, he's, you know... I think Pete mentioned it at the time when it was when it was mentioned that he like he's better than DJ on the ground, and if it gets there, you know he has a chance. And I, you know, Wilson Hayes is a guy who will fight DJ wherever he wants to fight him. You know, he'll he won't be like Suhuda and want you know just tear it down to the ground. If if it's on the feet, he'll fight him. You know, he'll he'll box with him. You know, he he's not, I don't think he's going to win, but I think he's going to take DJ on. I think he's going to give him an actual fight. I think it's going to be a good fight. But yeah. Uh, and I, look, the thing about it as well is that with this whole tough thing coming up, I'm glad that he's just getting a fight in because we don't want him sitting around waiting for like eight months or whatever it is uh, for that fight to happen and, you know, waiting for kind of a nothing contender to come on and, and fight him. So so this is good. Uh, but I'm sorry another, yeah. that I went quiet for half a second there. Ryan Loco just tweeted, I can finally reveal this. I moved to Vegas last year because I knew McGregor versus Mayweather was in the plans and I panicked. <laughs> And I had to go onto Twitter and I was like, did something just for once, did something break mid-podcast instead of immediately after we had stopped recording? Unfortunately, sorry, spoiler alert, it is not to be. Good. No, I am. On the fight itself, I think, as you were saying there, Demetrius Johnson being willing to take all challengers is an absolutely impressive thing. Um, I'm interested in seeing Demetrius Johnson get hit a few more times. I know that sounds pretty weird. If he gets into the same battle with Wilson that he did with Henry, and I don't think that um, Demetrius will, but I think if he's okay to collar up and try try throw punches and throw knees, that's when we could actually see Demetrius Johnson be caught with a shot. Do you know what I mean? I think this is actually the time that we will get to see him, like, I don't want to say put up against it. I still think it'll be a, a convincing win for Demetrius Johnson. But in terms of the, the Siri versus Haraguchi fight, it was like, yeah, the third round, Siri was able to clip him and was able to maybe wobble him a little bit before Haraguchi won the fight. It's like, this is what we could see happen to Demetrius Johnson en route to him winning the fight. Yeah. If there's yeah. markets anywhere for him to get clipped or wobbled, lump on it. There probably isn't. Do not lump on anyway. it. In other news this Disclaimer. week... Disclaimer. Um, Conor McGregor... What? Who? It, it, who? Yeah, that guy. We haven't talked about him in a couple of weeks. Uh, Conor McGregor did his interview yesterday with... Um, Andrew McGann. Uh, ESPN. Oh, dude, who would give that freaking interview? But he did it with ESPN and he kind of... He... He kind of qualified... Not qualified. He kind of confirmed what kind of Ariel was saying, what we were saying a little bit about. You know, it wasn't just a thing of um, he didn't want to do the media. It, it, it had something to do with the Joe Carvalho's. Joe Carvalho's dead as well. You know that he didn't want to be. You know he didn't want to be um, kind of in front of the cameras and you know promoting and stuff while you know while this is all going on hold on I have the quote here just let me it'd be easier just to to read it out um will I pause or would you like no to no it's okay I have it here uh I'd fucking journalists knocking down my mother's door you know what I mean 
that's not what I signed up to do. Have people knocking on my mother's door, talking about a kid dying. It's not nice to see a kid die like that. It does something to you. And there's been a show, there's, and there's been a show after being cancelled in Ireland since that. It's fucked up to be a part of it. And I didn't want to bring it back up and put it... I didn't want to bring it back up and put it more on a public scale. After all that, I did not want to put it in front of a camera. I did not want to be put in front of a camera and made to dance. I just wasn't feeling it. Which kind of we alluded to. A lot of people are saying, you know, a lot of people kind of at the time are saying maybe that's not true and stuff. Or maybe he just, you know, he was kind of, he wanted to train. And I, I think we always kind of made out that, uh, you know, there was a bit more to it. And I think a lot of people did as well. And it, it's kind of, I think it was kind of good to hear that as well. That it was, it was you know... I, you know, you can respect that. You can respect what he, you know, that he didn't want to, as he said, he didn't want to be put up, you know, talking shit and stuff when, you know, the man a man had just died at a fight that he was at. And I think, you know, he probably lost himself a lot of money and stuff over that. But, you know, you have to, you have to respect that. 110%. I agree. The fact that he mentioned it, the fact that he brought it up and even addressed it was, uh, was definitely a big thing about it. A couple of other things that I uh, took from the interview... Still excellent promoter, especially in the way that he teased the whole thing, that he's open to other challenges. I enjoyed hearing him talk about uh, the splinning, the spinning plates, about yeah. having to focus on all these different fighting styles. I do like. I was talking about it with someone in the gym whose opinion that I respect a lot about, uh, about boxing. He says that he would think that Floyd would finish Conor later on in the fight, despite Floyd being more of a defensive-based boxer. I know a lot of people are saying if it did happen... There's a chance it could go the full twelve rounds, and that not a hope. Do you not think? No, I think McGregor maybe last three rounds because Floyd wouldn't have to be as defensive against McGregor because he he could just play around with him. But would It'd he be, be so easy, confident though. enough to ditch the game plan? That's oh, I yeah. don't want to say the game plan, but like I'm saying, like we spoke about Ronda Rousey's maybe her boxing being linked to the fact that she was drilled into judo. Floyd has had this style drilled through repetitive motions for no, years I like it's not as he easy could play as around. just he could just play around this is the greatest boxer of all time against a guy who's never fought a professional boxing match in his life he could it'd be so easy like he could just play around like Flywood doesn't have that much power and McGregor has a good chin that's why I'm giving him three rounds you know like if it was anyone like say if it was like Amir Khan he'd knock McGregor out in the first round you know any like most boxers probably would you know but Floyd, as I say, he doesn't hit that hard. He, but he could just he lead him up like I, I like I could see him cutting him up and stuff. And his face would be a mess after the first round. Like, what do you like, make of uh, what do you make of Connor saying that Floyd actually needs to fight more than Connor does? I like that. It was very smart, a very intelligent thing to say. Um, anyway, true. He, uh, it is true. Like the only one out there that Floyd can fight that'll make big money is Triple G. And Triple G is literally the toughest fight he's he'd ever have, and he's you know he's a lot bigger than him in a ring. And doesn't there's no one else like he he could probably fight Canelo or Manny Pacquiao again and make good money out of it. But people saw him, and we don't nobody really wants to see me. And like I like I'm a boxer fan. I love watching uh, all those guys fight. But if he wants big big money, I think the McGregor fight is it. You know it's 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 not a spectacle that's it's not you know we know what's going to happen. You know it's not exactly. If it's not Triple G who like you don't know who's gonna be it's not like McGregor against Edgar intriguing, unbelievable matchups. But it's just, you know Answer me this it, then. It, yeah, go on. Give me the reason why this fight either will happen or won't happen. 
Oh, it, it, it definitely won't happen because McGregor's on a contract with the UFC and he can't fight in a boxing match unless the UFC allow him. And the UFC are not going to allow him because it because Mayweather's not going to fight under the... Say if, if the UFC did allow it, right? The only way I could see the UFC allowing it if if they were the promoters and if they were, you know, making a lot of money out of it. And Floyd Mayweather's not going to allow that. Floyd Mayweather is his promoter. He left all the, f- the promoters to do it. What if the UFC, Floyd said yes... He just wanted a hundred million flat. No, that won't happen because Floyd's basically making all the money out of his fights, you know, and other people are getting por- portions of it. If the UFC gave up Floyd a hundred million, you know, they're not going to be they're not going to be making a hundred million. Like they're not going to be making loads of money out but of it. But if Conor was able to take four hundred million in over events, surely Floyd in everything in total, surely Floyd versus Conor would far supersede that. And they would be able to be like, okay, Floyd, there's your 100 million. We've had the fight. We've promoted it. We're taking the rest. Thanks for the cheese. It's not as easy as that, though. See you later. <laughs> it's, not, it's not as easy as that. McGregor did that in a few... Uh, McGregor's a little bit overestimating that as well, I think. And he did that in a few different um, two, a few different events where people, ha- other people have to be paid, where he has to be paid, where the promotion has to be paid... Also, they don't get all that four hundred million. They only get like I think forty percent or fifty percent or something of the pay per view revenue. So he, you know, if he'd made a hundred million in pay per view revenue, the UFC are only getting like fifty million of that or whatever. So you can take a lot of that away immediately. So they wouldn't, you know, they could probably do it, but they're it would never happen. Like they're never, they're not. They don't want to make that small amount of money out of such a, a big thing, and you know you're putting, you're jeopardizing McGregor as well as on your, you know, he's one of your big stars, and I don't know, I just, I just, it won't happen. It'd be cool, like it'd be cool, but it won't happen. Oh, okay. Sean Sheen, the heartbreak kid. Yeah, just before we move on to the questions, uh, Vinator at the weekend. Uh, not much to talk about that. The two Irish guys who were supposed to fight and it didn't. I think, I think Peter Queeley was sick, and I think Peter Queeley got was injured sick a few days beforehand. Yeah. Had to pull off. You obviously know something was up if Peter Queeley's not able to make a fight. He posted a picture. Maybe I think it was a week and a bit out from the fight on weight already, looking lean as hell. Do you know what I mean? This was. We've talked about it, John. Since the Bama fight, this was Peter Queeley's next fight, maybe his last fight before he got picked up by the UFC. It's, it's absolutely devastating for him to have to pull out and to make that decision. But what a smart decision it was. Do you know what I mean? A couple of years ago in his career, maybe a cut, like there's multiple guys in Ireland who maybe would have still taken that fight under the weather or ill. And he maybe thought, like, look, unless I'm going in there at 100%, I think he was dead right. Do you know what I mean? It, it's a bump in the road. It's a minor setback. It's still not to turn him from the course. A loss would have been far worse, do you know what I mean, for him and for his career if he had done that. Outside yeah. of that, Carl Moore blew out his knee a couple of weeks ago training, I believe. Oh, did he? Yeah, oh. and that's, uh, that's what happened to him. So he was uh, not training at the moment. So, unfortunately, he pulled out of that fight as well. Yeah, um, obviously Rusumar, Rusumar Pal Harris got knocked out um, in the main event of that fight with an excellent knockout and, you know, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Um, <laughs> the McGregor elbows. Yeah, McGregor elbows, yeah, they were nasty. Mayhem um, Miller got some in as well, rear naked joke. And I saw an interview he did, I think it was with a Polish um, outlet afterwards. He was clowning as well, Mayhem yeah. Miller. In the, just in the sequence that got him caught, 
he was all I could think of when I saw it. Remember Nick Diaz against Paul Daly when he hit the, when yeah. Daly dropped him and Diaz was doing that stuff when he had his hands on the mat and he moving was like head. moving from side to side and Daly nearly soccer kicked him into oblivion. Miller yeah. was doing that as well and like lifted his head up and got rear naked choked. I was like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, but after he in that interview he did, I see I watched. He looked. He looked a bit more sane than he has in the last while, which gave me a little bit of hope for him. He said, and, this oh is going to turn me around as off, but go on. And Barnat took a picture with him, chatted to him, obviously had it out with him afterwards, yeah. put it up on Instagram on social media, and was like, fair play, like, aside from the weight, not a bad guy, like something, <coughs> something along those lines, oh. like, you know, so... To me, I agree with you. I think it's good to see a healthier version of Mayhem Miller coming in so over, though. Like that's very disrespectful. Um, oh, please, can I can I go at this? Can yeah. I, I have a rant to go on here. Go for it. Have I time to fuck? go to the bathroom while you're going on this rant? I won't be that long. Okay. What the fuck was Luke Barnett doing? Why didn't he take the fight? You got an out of shape, overweight Mayhem Miller who hasn't fought in years, who obviously hasn't trained for the fight. And you got 30% of his uh, pay, you got all of your pay, and you got another five grand to take the fight. And no, you're going to turn it down to fight some unknown guy on one day's notice. What the fuck? What was he thinking? Why Why didn't he take the fight? That was the most ridiculous thing ever. I, like, why, why would Luke Barnett not, not take that fight? I don't, I honestly don't understand. Like, Maybe he's Venator a huge didn't guy. didn't want him to have it. No, he did. He asked him to fight. They offered him five grand and 30% of Mayhem Miller's purse. Like, he's a guy that, you know, he's a big guy, tall guy. He looked very drained. I saw a picture of him in the wake up. Like, he's, he'd yeah. probably be up towards a 205, 207 anyway on fight night. Mayhem Miller obviously didn't cut any weight. You know, he's, you know, he's just weighs what he weighs. And they did have weigh the same on the night anyway. Like, what? it was an easy win against a big name for more money than, for double your money, like. I just can't understand it. I, I Honestly, that's a sweetheart deal. Like, I don't know why he didn't take it. Never thought of it like that, I have to say. Yeah. I just, like, you see a lot of people being like how disrespectful Miller was for not coming in on weight. And, what do you like, expect, though? Like, it's 2016, Jason Mayhem Miller. <laughs> airplane weight. Water weight. Yeah. 10 kilos of water. Like, it's like he water, it's like he water loaded but forgot to then cut it. You know, it's like, oh yeah, yeah I, I took all this water but no, I just, it didn't leave. He just didn't give a fuck, like, that's, like, you should have been expecting that. Speaking yeah. of not giving a fuck. Cody McKenzie. What a man. What a man. That was some guillotine. It is the McKenzie team. He's always sure he's always at it. He's but well known for it. But he's always loved yeah. it, but I have to say good finishes on that card. Yeah. Seemed yeah, was, to be uh go on. You watched it all. No, go on. No, I didn't watch it either. Right. Anyway. I was just gonna say it seemed to be good because uh Grabaka Hitman had uh and Zombie or no, Zombie Prophet had yeah. uh videos up instantly all the time. Like yeah, so I was awesome. like, Yes, yeah. can watch the event. There was another event as well on, on Friday night. Uh, Bellator had a card, not a great card, but uh, Alexis Dufresne got a nice submission of a Marlis Coon. I'm looking here and it says it's on says triangle armor. I think it was more of an armbar than anything else. Big, big uh, upset there. Um, Pat Curran beat Georgie Carcanyon as well, and Justin, not a great fight. Um, but Pat Curran knocked Georgie Carcanyon down with a big left. And early in that, and I almost finished him, but you know, kind of just fizzled out a bit. And uh, Rafael Carvalho beat Melvin Manhoff in possibly the biggest robbery I've ever seen in an MMA. Manhoff clearly won at least four rounds. Like I gave him four rounds. Of t- I could have given him uh, another round as well. Uh, 
well, I gave him three rounds. The first round was a 10-10. Here's, here's something now. Uh, Carvalho didn't land a takedown or didn't land a punch in the first round and still won on all three judges' cards. How insane is that? Like he, this was just. It was honestly the worst decision I've, I think I've ever seen. Manoff definitely should have only lost the split decision. But there you go. There's a rant for you, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. There you go. Okay, questions, Andrew. Pull them up. Let's do questions this. Questions already. Yeah. Already. While you're doing that, excellent. While you're doing that, let me give a shout out. As I take a, a hold on, let me, let me. A celebratory sip <sighs> from his a chalice, sp- ladies and gentlemen. From my ROS Nutrition Sippy Cup, as I call it. But it's, what is it, a mixer? Um, a shaker. Can, shaker, sorry, yeah. You can find um, that and protein, vitamins, all the good stuff like that for all your supplementation needs uh, over at rosnutrition.com. Great guys. Big good friends with Andrew and myself helping us out here. You could be helping us out to sign up for ROS Nutrition. You get 25% off. Like Two that's a good five. deal. That's a sweetheart deal. Luke Barnett would turn down that deal. It's so good. You know. <laughs> <laughs> tell your tell a friend. They don't have to listen to podcast. Just tell them. Tell anyone. Get 25% off. Use the promo code severe MMA at the checkout. Stick it in. That's it. Easy money. No, you know, no drawbacks. That's it. ROS Nutrition. That come Andrew over to you with the questions question time here on the Severe MMA podcast as always if you want to send us any questions throughout the week that you would like to hear our thoughts on on the podcast you can do it in a multiple multi, multitude of ways mm. tweet at Severe MMA pod tweet at either of us at Sean Sheehan BA at Andrew McGahan head on over to our Facebook page Severe MMA podcast as well send one over there or if you want to be the person like Keith Kavanagh to ensure his questions get answered send them directly to Sean Sheehan's Facebook page that's at Sean Sheehan whatever his Facebook use, uh, it was actually sent towards mine but, have uh, you liked it yet? Um, I'm not too sure if I have actually you haven't yeah, no. I know you haven't no so uh, <laughs> mean. so I wait a minute wait a, wait a minute wait a minute Wait a minute. Two quick things here before I let you go. You, first of all, I, you're after saying that I never support you, yet you didn't like the excellent videos of me flaring on Instagram. Aside from that, also... I don't really go on Instagram that much. Also, why do you... Have you been checking that I haven't liked it since? Since yeah, you brought this I up? Get, I get a notification of everyone who likes it. Oh, so. so you're just like, well, Andrew still hasn't done it. Yeah. Long running feud here ladies and gentlemen I refuse to like Sean Jehan's like page Over on Facebook Um, With my support If Pizza Carl had a like page you'd like it I would not You fucking would Never liked you Question time here on the Severe MMA podcast As (laughs) always One Mr. Podge Is the first question of the week If Will Brooks and Matt Brown swap promotions Is it Will it be a hostage trade situation Between Dana and Coker Who are the bad guys in this situation Sean I said Bellator are probably the bad guys. You, it was your thing about Matt Brown wanting to leave last week. Do you remember yeah. that? That's what, presume that's what he's alluding to. Uh, yeah, uh, Matt Brown is the type of guy who might actually want to end up in Bellator probably because you're probably able to fight him more often. You're probably able to get. I know he's got a lot of wins in UFC, in fairness, but he'd probably be able to get easier wins. He'd probably be able to f- maybe fight for a tight leave over in Bellator and, and get a, a, a lot of sponsorship money. Like a lot of companies like a guy like Matt Brown. You know, he's kind of a an all-American guy who's been, well, you know, been down and he's come back up and, you know, companies like that. Let's just say he's the exact type of guy that American companies want to advertise to the proper demographic of MMA yeah. fans in the United States. 
It's yeah. like condom, condom depot, dude wipes, yeah. bullets, camo shirts, like yeah. the usual stuff, you know? And look, don't get me wrong, I am in the market now for a camo check shirt. If anyone out there can source it, I like. I just like the idea of being able to fly under the radar at these MMA events. <laughs> so I think a camo check shirt is definitely the way to go. Uh, one more one from Mr. Podge. Has Tim Kennedy, you alluded to this earlier, so that's why I want to follow it up on. Has Tim Kennedy really made a mistake by holding out on the UFC for this long? He destroyed Bisbing, now he's on the sideline and Mike is fighting for the title. Yeah. Do you know what we were just talking about there? What? About Matt Brown going to Bellator. What, did it just happen? Yeah. No, no, no. All right, I thought something do you know, broke. Do you, know, do you know Tim Kennedy? Oh, yeah? He'd sure be a good guy for um for uh, different companies to latch onto and stuff, wouldn't he? Wouldn't they like him? Say if he was in Bellator and he could, he could wear their stuff. I think, he's, I think he's only one fight left in his contract, too. Is that why the UFC haven't matched him? No, mm, well, I don't know about that. No, Jesus. But I think like this is only all speculation. I'm only, I'm only making oh this up. Oh my god, that's why they're not giving him the title shot. Imagine if he won and then walked out, showed up in Bellator and threw the belt in the bin. That's CM exactly what you want. Yeah, no WWE. Yeah. Well, not CM Punk. Well, okay, I get your reference. I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him um, Jacare or Romero, maybe even. I say probably Romero or a light up. heavyweight cutting down. <laughs> To 185 for the first time. John Jones. Yeah. John <laughs> Jones. Not two American heroes. John Jones versus Tim Kennedy. Let's do it. That's, I think that's why he wants to take a short notice fight as well. So he can just get the fight and get out the door. I think that's it. I think we'll see Tim Kennedy once more in the UFC and I think he'll be gone then. Sean, Farrell Connolly wants to know what film was on your Snapchat the other day and what was your rating? You didn't let oh, us know went, what f- film you went to see. I went to see X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, it was alright. I've heard it's bad. Yeah, it's not great. I wouldn't be the biggest X-Men fan either. Uh, I, I'm not really a fan of those superhero movies, although I've watched a lot of them recently. It was okay. I, like It was a good action film and stuff, but, you know, there wasn't, wasn't much of a story to it and things. Um, a solid, solid six or seven out of ten. It was all right. So, you know, if there's nothing else on, worth throwing on, it's all right. I saw the last X-Men and I didn't like it, so. I'm, I, oh, I actually really liked it, so I'm disappointed to hear that. I heard I was going to go to it the other night, but just too many people saying bad things about it. I was like, no, Cinnamon Dundalk's a ripoff. Not going to that. Um, Goat McGregor has made his return to the podcast question, Sean. You haven't heard or seen him in a long time. No, so welcome back. Uh, the official enemy of the pod of the Severe MMA podcast. What round is Bisbing going to KO Rockwood? <laughs> and P.S. McMahon is a prick. <laughs> oh, I love a bit of Goat McGregor. Jesus, he's the best, isn't he? <laughs> He's he's our version of Super Calo. He's brilliant. He's he's deadly. Because we think, know yeah. that he's a big fan, really. I know he, he yeah. he's like, look, I know you're teasing me, but you're you've probably watched every single fucking one of my interviews and listened to every podcast. We know you're a fan, McGregor. We know you're a fan. And the god, I think Bisping will knock Rock out in the first round. Rockwood, Sean, not Rockhold. Sorry, Rockwood. Yeah, Rockwood. Um, AJK Dublin back on the scene as well what are the options for Connor if it's not Diaz and also shout out to the Joe Carvalho GoFundMe uh, page that raised 11,000 euro 720 or 11 11,720 euro Fair so play. that is actually massive I'd say very good um, very I whew, what was I going to say what was the target was the target 10,000 or 20,000 I think 10,000 
Yeah, I think it was. I actually think it was five thousand at first, but there was a couple of different ones floating around. Yeah, so around, yeah. together, I'd say there was a little bit more raised than that in the grand scale yeah. of things. But you're dead right. So anyway, what are the options um, for Connor if it's not Diaz, or is it going to be Diaz? I think it will be Diaz, but if if not, I think it'll probably be the winner of Edgar and Aldo. Maybe they push it back to UFC two or three or something like that, or maybe if you know if they come out of it okay, uh, maybe two or two. Do you think that for the laugh that they will deliberately keep Connor off? Like, if Edgar beats Aldo and Diaz doesn't agree to fight Connor, then save it for Madison Square. <sighs> Stop Jesus. the beef. All's cool now. Like, mm, I don't know. They seem set. They seem set on putting Connor on UFC two or two. And as I alluded to a while back, I think CM Punk is going to be on that card with McGregor. I think that's what they want. That's their next big card. And that's uh. It's only two events after UFC 200 mm-hmm. who'd have thought it 198 was only two events for it and that was huge as well fair enough Dave Pella wants to know who'd you like next to see in Venator FC up and comers or those that are looking for redemption on that I did not enjoy seeing what happened to Matt Hamill at Jesus, the weekend yeah. that was particularly hard to watch but aside from that what do you think are we gonna see, is it going to be the retirement home for a couple of guys? Or the last Maybe. stop before the retirement home? How can they, like, how are they making money? How can they keep giving out all this, this money to people? It's going to be tough for them. Um, I don't think it's going to be a place for up-and-comers. Although, you know, they had a couple, obviously the two Irish lads who we talked about there were supposed to be on it. So maybe it'd be the boat, maybe, you know. Um, I would like to see, like, guys that are towards the end of their careers against prospects. Yeah, I would just I love that. to see a full card of thirty-something-year-olds against twenty-one-year-olds. Let the dog eat dog world. Yeah, let the bad motherfuckers around Europe fight some of the best <laughs> MMA fighters of times past. Yeah. Do you not think something like Brian Bowles versus Franz Malambo would be one of the best fights in the world? Possibly, yeah. Do you know well, what I mean? Like this yeah. is so. Where is Franz actually in fucking ages? Just as you... This is why I mentioned it, Sean, okay? I got yeah. a message from him this morning saying, what's up, Andy? How's things? And he said, do you know of any shows that are happening in the UK or Ireland between June or July? He's had four pullouts in his last fights. The man Jeez. can't get matched for love nor money. UK MMA promoters that listen to this podcast. Franz Malambo is looking for a fight. A one-on-one bantamweight that in my opinion would be capable of taking out guys on the top 10, top 15 bantamweight UK rankings. This and uh, But he's in the perilous position of someone who's just turning pro. Maybe the guys at that other end of the scale not being willing to take those fights because of his record. So any promoter looking for an Irish bantamweight to get on, Franz Malambo, there is also, I can reveal, Sean, an interview mm-hmm. with Franz Malambo coming to Severe MMA later on in the week Ooh. also. Nice, I like that. Um, next qu- oh, so yeah Franz Malambo other guys we would like to see on uh, Venator um, Jake Searle S-E-O-R-L-E kind of backing up what I said earlier on are people really underestimating Michael Bisbing he essentially has nothing to lose in this fight no he has no hope so yes they are underestimating him but he has no, absolutely no hope no they're not underestimating him they're, they're estimating him correctly you're an awful man <laughs> this is this is why I don't like your harsh criticisms of fighters. Why? I'm not harsh. How is that a harsh criticism? I just think Luke Rockhold's going to win. 
What do you want me to say? Oh yeah, Bisping is a great chance. Bisping can knock him out. Yes, of course. He's the pride of the UK, Sean. He's the pride of UK MMA. It's the biggest fight in UK MMA history. Oh wait, no, that doesn't sound right. It's, that only sounds good when it's the biggest fight in Irish MMA history. Yeah. Sure, look. They might latch on to that too. Keen O'Connell wants to know, is it wrong that he thoroughly enjoyed seeing Paul Harris get beaten in Venator? Nah, I no. think everyone did. It's no. okay. And on a scale of one to wonder, boy, how happy are you now that Louis Van Gaal is gone? Delighted. Very, very happy in, indeed. Jose Mourinho coming in. I, I've always loved Jose, even when he was Chelsea manager. So... This is this is just a great day. Like win the FA Cup, Van Hal sacked Jose Mourinho in on in one day. Was on the beer playing FIFA. Like what? What more can a man ask for? My birthday on Friday. Oh, this Friday. Yeah. Oh. So what more? What more can a man want? Gonna have to get you a present. Great week. Yeah, he will. Um, Jake had a follow up question as well. He wants to know: Is Cruz's ground game the only weakness that Favor could exploit at one nine nine? I was actually looking at that question. And I was thinking, maybe he's a, maybe he's a little bit of a new fan. Maybe I don't know. Uh, and I wouldn't. Uh, and even if you're not a new fan, you could be following the sport for four years and you wouldn't have seen Dominic Cruz on the ground. But Dominic Cruz was a wrestler. Like Dominic Cruz took Mighty Mouse down and held him down. He's Dominic Cruz is really good in the ground. Okay, he got submitted by Faber back in the day, but and then, you know Faber had a wicked guillotine back then. Uh, Still does. He still does, yeah, but he could get caught in that again. If he gets caught in that, Faber could definitely submit him, but I don't think he has a weakness on the ground. His ground game is excellent. Like, he used to be a wrestler. Like, he, he, you know, he developed his stand-up and, you know, his movement and his different things over the years, but what he is, he, you know, his base is a wrestler, and I think, uh, I don't think he has a weakness on the ground. Guess who's jiu-jitsu coaches? Friend of severe MMA. Uh, Jimmy Harvison. Yeah. Um, Robert Palmentieri at the Rob Pal how long do you reckon before we see Duke and Wall in the UFC and where do you rank him top 15 question mark um, let me look bantamweight uh, Dodson is 10 like 12 Johnny Eduardo Frankie Sines Jimmy Rivera Eddie Wineland think I think he he's better than all fights? of those yeah. I, think he be- I think he beats John Lineker I think he beats Mag- uh, Takei Mizugaki I think he beats Carraway I think he'd beat Faber. Oh, this is Sean Sheehan fanboying at his finest lady and gentleman. No. Took I say lady because we have one lady that listens and the rest are gentlemen. Nicole Sheehan? Nicola? Nicole? Did I call her Nicola? Nicola? Actually, we've oh. got multiple ladies that yeah, listen and send many questions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so if you're listening, lads, get fucking jealous, right? Because loads yeah. of ladies listen to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I think two studs. two studs here in the prime of our life. Keen Tiernan, t- in 1997, wants to know if Wonderboy loses. What? Dukeman be in the UFC after his next fight when he when he fights Phil Pot. Um, if Wonderboy loses, sorry Sean, who gets the next shot, Maya or Rory? Maya, because Rory being Beltor, maybe. Brian Last. McLaughlin. Thoughts on Phil Davis making 30 and 30 against King Mo? Exact same pay he got in his last UFC fight. Yeah, I think that's a bit. Um, maybe what do you a, think like maybe a signing on bonus that Phil Davis got that made his purses lower, similar to Nate Diaz, and then also a counterfact that he would have got sponsorships that aren't Reebok. 
Bellator, Bellator not giving sweetheart deals. I said again, like Bellator, okay, you get, might get a good deal, but you're not, you know, you're not making fucking Wayne Rooney money when you sign for Bellator. He's probably making a similar amount of money to what he made in the UFC, but he obviously can get his sponsorship now and stuff as well. Um, Phil Davis is, you know, Phil Davis is not, you know, he's not going to retire the money he's making at Bellator. Um, or what do you say? He won't retire. No, won't retire easy, like. No, but I'm saying the money he earns there, he won't be able to retire. Oh, yeah, 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 fair enough. Uh, Sean Denny would like to know, Sean, yeah, have you ever applied to participate in the UFC rankings, even though they are terrible? Uh, what, before, actually, before I was with Severe uh, Oh, you better not have. <laughs> no, I didn't, but I was asked would I do them for the, my old place I was at, and I was like, grand, yeah, I'll do them. This is when they came out, like, the first week they ever came out, and so someone emailed with and said that i do them, and we didn't even get an email back, so that's about it. Oh, you nearly you nearly got onto the most hated MMA list. Oi. My rankings would be really good if I did that. Yeah, but a lot the, of, like, remember the Brazilian guy that took McGregor off the rankings? Oh, yeah. Like, there's, that, like, yeah. it's, it's, I don't think it should, either way, a story for another day. Shouldn't be done by media. Um, or, go on. Yeah, well, yeah, you're probably right. John Harker would like to know, should the UFC organize a lose and retire fight? I would have went for the loser leaves town bout between mm. Bigfoot, Bigfoot Silva and Frank Mir. Did that already happen? Did they fight before? Hold on, let me look up. Maybe. I'm pretty sure that already happened. Have it's it again smart. with this new stipulation. Yeah, they fought before. Mir was like on a four-fight losing streak. Bigfoot Silva. Bigfoot Silva. Ooh, come back. So it actually already happened with a si- yeah. and it should have had a similar connotation on it before. Bigfoot Silva had a loss, a draw and a loss for it. Yeah, they had a loser lose so much and both of them stayed. <laughs> so yeah. This is an outrage. <laughs> he also it's wants- just like WWE. <laughs> scumbags. He also wants he to know what do you think is next for Robert Whiteford? Was it a premature release like Norman Park or justified? Oh yeah. Um, Robert Whiteford got released from the UFC during the week. He by did, the way. yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a bit premature. I was surprised when I when I heard it. Um, yeah, I think he, I think he was improving an awful lot. Like I know he lost he lost his last fight, did he? Uh, but yeah, when you're he lost his last two fights. When you're fighting around lightweight and and featherweight, there's so many guys in the UFC that you can't afford to give up a couple of losses. You know, you just can't. Um, the divisions are so you know there's so many good guys in it you know even Paul Redman came in you know he got he had two losses and that was it like you know it's very it's very tough um, to stay on in those divisions if if you're losing fights like that and if you're not kind of a young prospect who is showing signs of you know maybe being one of the top guys or have a big name or something like that you know so yeah you know it's it's tough I, I like I think he's still a good fighter I think he'd probably be back in the UFC but I'm not I'm not surprised Motherfucker I've got a couple of ones here Before we go Sean One I think now I'm seeing a trend emerge That a lot of people Deliberately want to give you Questions that will enrage you Evan mm. McLean wants to know Do you think Khabib May be overrated Or too one dimensional He's beaten Dos Anjos When he wasn't good Apart from that No one good No one big I actually think That's a good question um, There there can be a tendency To overrate guys like that When he ha- You know Khabib's boxing is good But it isn't the best In the world and I, he's, you know, he's 
chain wrestling and his wrestling and his sambo and you know his jujitsu or whatever you want to call it he you know underground is very good uh but if if you can stop that if someone can stand up against them and just fight him out in the feet you know i think they have a good chance of of winning but it's so hard not to do that like it's so hard not to get caught up in his game and you know he's just going to wrestle you and he's going to wrestle you to death when you get near him it's very tough but maybe you know i it's hard to say someone is overrated because there's this thing people kind of want to say oh he got shown up you know he you know he he was outed for what he's bad at but i i think you can still be really good and still lose fights you know i don't think kind of because jose aldo got knocked out by conor mcgregor i don't think he was shown up for a crap fight or anything i think he think he's still one of the best like he's still the greatest featherweight to ever live like so there you go that's that's my thoughts on it i i think um habib's really good but if you can keep him on his feet and if you get a really good striker you could beat him this sounds like it should be an entry in your journal or your diary yeah. I have two final ones for you Sean Before we go w- Will Martin give a very good question We are going to answer it as the first one next week Because we're very pressed on time here It was give your top 5 European fighters And UK and Irish ones outside of the UFC That should oh. be in the UFC So first we'll question next that, week yeah. We're going to do a bit of study Have we luck We'll have good answers in that Ian Thornton First of two would like to know What are your thoughts on Lineker versus Michael McDonald? I know we spoke about it earlier on. I think this is an absolutely unbelievable fight. Like, beyond excited for this fight. I think it's a great fight. I think that's a tough fight for Michael McDonald. Because I think Lineker's output and stuff is maybe what he'll struggle with a little bit. Um, He got that one fight back off of after a long time out. And he didn't look great, but maybe it did him, you know, it did him good. Um, So... You know, Michael McDonald was always that guy who thought maybe he's going to kick on, he's going to be a champion, but a lot of injuries got the title shot a little bit too early, maybe. Um, and and he's coming back, he's coming back now. But you know, another fifty-fifty fight, and as I said, bantamweight is just just so good. I can't really looking forward to that fight. It should be a good one. And then finally, to wind down here, Keith Cavanagh has a two-parter for you that kind of takes it on a little bit of a different way. He'd like to know he is watching Animal Fight Night at the moment. Let's say a zombie apocalypse happens after hippies have prevailed and there are no weapons left in the world. You can pick any animal in the world to turn into and continue on your zombie apocalypse adventures. Mm. What animal would it be and why? Kangaroo, 100%. What? Kangaroo. (laughs) Sean Kangaroo Sheehan. Somebody make a gif. Somebody. Have you not seen those? Have you not seen those videos of kangaroos doing jujitsu? No, they're unreal. Rear I've seen jokes, all that. I've seen they, kangaroos boxing before, but it was in oh, a PlayStation yeah. game. It was in Tekken. Oh no, but they can box. They've got boxing doing. They've unreal kicks. They can like stand up on their tails and like double kick you in the fucking face. Really? Kangaroo, kangaroo kick the shit of anything, and they can jump as well. They can climb trees. Like if a tiger comes around, the kangaroo's gonna climb up. And you please fuck tell it. me that I would be the baby kangaroo in the pouch. You can be the baby. That's kangaroo. yeah. Okay, look, I'm okay. I'm gonna look. To be honest, I'm not going to lie, I fucking love pandas. And I think zombies wouldn't want to eat pandas because they're so adorable and they'd keep them around. I'm going for Pandas have the best crack, Sean. They are some laugh. Pandas are slots. Way pandas forward. Pandas ate you alive. Pandas have been anthropomorphized. What? They'd eat you alive, the pandas would. No, they wouldn't. They no, but would, I yeah. would become the panda. Oh, yeah. You'd be, yeah. True. I'd be but an adorable panda. Like. <laughs> 
Okay, whatever. Next question. <laughs> On fighting notes, he wants to know, he heard that Faras has brought in some very solid kickboxers for Rory and Raymond Daniels might even be one of them. Yeah, where does it leave? Where does this leave? And like, there's a lot of talent in TriStar at the minute, even more than usual. Breeze is there. Duffy is there. Arnold Allen is there. Joanne Calderwood is there. Um, a lot of European talent there. But... Where does it leave the welterweight division if Rory wins and then goes into free agency? Fuck Woodley, fuck Hendricks, see you later. And then a picture of him watching zombie, zombies or something. Animal fight okay. night. Yeah, I think it'd be okay because Jake Shields is beating all those guys anyway and he's still there. Or he's gone, I mean. Yeah. Didn't make much of a difference. So. Yeah. I think Jordan get... Green's favourite fighter in the world, Jake Shields. Mine too. I like a bit of Jake Shields. You see my my fucking picture of yes. Jake Shields I put up the other day went I viral. Sure did. Yeah, even Tyron Woodley liked it, and I was getting a bit worried because I spelled his name wrong, and I said he lost to Jake Shields, but that was okay. Yeah, I think they'll I think they'll make a deal. They'll Rory. manage. Too good. You know, I think he's too good. But then manage if he does leave, I don't think he'll make much of a difference. I think he'll eat everyone up in Bellator. Exactly. Just like on that. yeah, oh, that sounded very ferocious. On that, just one final thing on the on the question front, I do think that if McDonald wins and is about to test free agency. Look, the UFC have paid out ridiculous money in the past. Conor McGregor makes serious money. The UFC do not mind paying this as long as it's justified and earned. If Rory wins and puts himself into a good position, I think the UFC will do everything in their power to keep him and will offer him a much improved deal. But business is business and they have to be able to support the Conor McGregors of the world somehow. And if that means cutting and undercutting the other fighters that maybe don't bring enough eyes or bring enough attention to the product, then tough shit. Learn how to go viral on the in- like. Do you know what I mean? Do something about it. And I don't like. Oh well, my Rory, god! I don't know. Rory's put on unbelievable fights. I oh, but Rory, enough. like, look. I'm just saying that devil's advocate point of view. I think Rory McDonald should be paid outstandingly high as it is right now. But this is just the game that the UFC are playing at the minute. They're able to. Fighters are willing to test free agency, so the UFC are willing to let them let the fights play out and see where they land at the time that their contract is up for negotiation. It's kind of shitty though that he's to fight Wonderboy, so he's no hope of winning. Um, it is kind of shitty, yeah. No, like it's it's shitty from the UFC to give him that fight, a hundred percent. That's a joke, by the way. He has a hope. He has a hope, but you still yeah, think Wonderboy's going to win? I do, yeah. I do, yeah. Um, yeah, I do, yeah. I do, I think yeah. Wonderboy's yeah. takedown defense is so good, and there's just nobody beating Wonderboy in defeat. Not a hope. Wonderboy, I did it for you this week. Thank you. Speaking of this week, unfortunately, that is just about all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very Boom. much, as always, for tuning into the Severe MMA podcast. As I said at the start, is it your place or nine? This was episode 69. If you want to get in touch with us over the next seven days, please do not hesitate to do so. My Twitter is at Andrew McGahan underscore. At Youngberg underscore eight is still out there as well, Sean. Might need to dig that up again in a few weeks, if you know what I mean. Definitely. Sell it to Freddie Youngberg this time. He's at Sean Sheehan BA. You can follow us and listen to us both put up nice pictures and uh, say inane things over on Snapchat as well. The same names respectively. And uh, at Severe MMA Pod on Twitter, at Severe MMA Pod on Facebook, Sean Sheehan's fan page, whatever he wants to call it these days. And more importantly, at Severe MMA, the home of the Severe MMA podcast, which uh, we're, we're pretty fond of the lads as well. I have one other thing to tell people, Sean. Go on. The Severe MMA t-shirts are en route. <sighs> they are being... They're in production. Shipping address has been sent over. We are, uh, they're a little bit different than the ones that we put out. Different colors. So uh, aside from that, nothing's really changed. 
Hoping to get them now in the next uh, couple of weeks. It shouldn't be too long for shipping and then we will have them. <clears throat> Depending on if there even is going to be another domestic show for a while, we will have them at the domestic shows. But we will also figure out ways for the fans of the podcast, for the fans of the site, for the friends of the podcast, and even we might give Goat McGregor one as well as an enemy of the enemy of the podcast. And uh, we will we'll find out ways to sell them. So, any other crack? What are you doing today? Um, it's Monday. It's, yeah, it's Monday now. Oh Late. yeah, so if you're listening I to this don't... podcast tomorrow, there's a good chance if you listen to it when it got released, it's like 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning and you've listened to it on your commute. So thanks yeah. for that. Respect. Let us know the feedback because we're trying to mix things around here. We want to know when you think the best time to release the Severe MMA podcast is. Let us know. We'll try to accommodate your needs. Indeed. Any Indeed. other crack though? No, I'm just going to have a like, quiet week now. Hopefully get loads of birthday presents. Be great. Having a barbecue next weekend. Remain hangover Officially. free. I don't really get hangovers, so I'm grand. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Oh, so well. I'm tuned in. We'll see you next Tuesday.